Welcome to, uh, well, I'm just going to call this one a Mortcast. Um, before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coorsfield, right in the middle of the dairy block. Uh, go to bfwdenver.com if you want to go pick up a bottle of wine. I suggest you do that, or you can book your virtual wine tasting. Um, I have got some gifts, gift certificates coming up uh, to give away for those virtual wine tastings, which are extremely popular and you have no idea how insane that is. So I got some to give away on this podcast. I'll be letting you know about that soon, but you can also pick up yourself a bottle of wine, get that 2017 Cabernet because it is really, really effing good. Uh, but they also got Pinot. They got, uh, they got, you know, whites, blends, reds, Syrahs, anything you can think of. Plus uh, they got wi- uh, partnerships with Western Slope wineries, uh, restoration and storm cellars and one in the Elk Mountains. Anything you really need. This is a local Colorado business that needs your support. Once again, you can do bfwdenver.com if you're like me and you can't really get out until you get vaccinated. So they got delivery, they got curbside pickup, and they got shipment. Um, once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. When you go in or when you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. Dexter's truancy problem is way out of hand. The Baltimore County School Board have decided to expel Dexter from the entire public school system. Oh, Mr. Kirk, I'm enough fed as you to learn Dexter's truancy, but surely expulsion is not the answer. I'm afraid expulsion is the only answer. It is the opinion of the entire staff that Dexter is criminally insane. Same, same, same. <laughs> What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Okay, I got a, a return guest, um, our bulwark correspondent, um, a man with hair is equally long as mine. It is my friend, Tim Miller. Hello, Tim. How are you doing? Jeff Morton, King of Thornton, good to be with you. We'll try to, you know, we got to keep it a little sharper this time. I got some feedback that the two and a half plus hour epic <laughs> that we did last time was maybe you just a little much for people. They loved us. They loved the material, you know, reflecting on everything from the uh, NBA 90s and, you know, gay lifestyle. But, uh, but you know, maybe a little bit tighter. Uh, well, but it's good to be back with you. Yeah. Maybe uh, brevity is the friend of precision. So we, <laughs> we can read something it. like that. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Well, Tim's on here not to talk about uh, the fact that uh, we had a group of White House reporters embarrassingly clamoring to have a formal press conference with the president and not ask a single question about uh, a pandemic during it. We're not here to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> We are here to talk or about the or the shooting or the shooting. By the way, yes, not no shootings. Uh, the, it just it was all about gotcha questions and if he's going to run in twenty twenty four, which is uh, <clears throat> great showing. White House press press great great showing. But That's anyway, pathetic. Yes, but anyway, no, we're talking about something else, something much more cheerful for a change. This is your Denver Nuggets, um, our Denver Nuggets. And uh, they made a couple moves today. Um, and I'm going to start us off with a little anecdote, Tim. Okay. Uh, I had the, depending on the way you look at it, the pleasure of covering JaVale McGee 
when uh, he was uh, his first stint here in Denver. And I, I, there's a lot of qu uh, stories that I could tell, none of which I can tell on this podcast. Um, there are there are some that I can probably give you an idea of what it was like to to deal with Javale when he was here that last time. Um, when Brian Shaw his first in his like these are training camp practices we're we're interviewing Brian Shaw and uh, he hadn't yet it, it was like right before the beginning of the regular season he hadn't yet set his starting lineup but he dropped a bombshell in one of these pressers that JJ Hickson was not going to start it was going to be Javale McGee. And this is the beginning of the 13-14 season. So Timmons and myself are like, oh, shit, we better do something about this. So I set off searching for JaVale McGee. And uh, obviously that we JaVale had gone to the locker room. We couldn't find him. And uh, I, this, is the, this is now, this is the, actually the third time that I attempted to interview JaVale in the time that he's been here. And... <laughs> I get, I, I have one of the PR guys, they, they go down, they find him, they, they try to bring him up and I'm standing there and I'm standing there at the top of the, up top of the stairs that goes down to their locker room. And I hear this, I just don't want to. And then I hear this door slam. <laughs> it's, that's it. And the one of the PR guys comes up and he's like, yo, JaVale just didn't have time to, <laughs> to to, right. to, to have to answer your questions. But that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story was when uh, Timmons and myself go over to talk to J.J. Hickson and assuming that he had been informed that um, he was no, not going to be starting <laughs> in the lineup. We were wrong because it was during our interview oh, no. where we informed him that he was not going to be starting Oh God! Uh, that's just to give you an idea of of, and that's a tame, that's a tame Javale McGee story. But uh, that that is that is to to lead us off into the fact that the first trade of the day, the Denver Nuggets traded two protected second round picks to the Cleveland Cavaliers to get Javale McGee and I, Isaiah Hardenstein um, and the Hardy Party. Uh, so uh, what do, well, what do you think? That gives me just that anecdote. I just want to say, big picture, gives me so much joy because just thinking about the fact that it was, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. And, you know, the big story was whether it would be JJ Hickson or JaVale McKee in the starting lineup. Like, how lucky are we right now to have Jokic, you know, forever? Um, uh, how lucky are we to have Michael Malone uh, and not mm -hmm. have, uh, you know, somebody like Brian Shaw who had a lot of other skills, but obviously that wasn't uh, one of them um, in, in, a, in a player. Uh, management um I, you know and my my big memory of javel obviously wasn't covering it but i was a fan um his first game is i might have this right you'll test my memory his first game on, on the team is when he had that free throw uh like the put back jam off the free throw line there's like a missed free throw and then he yeah. jumps <laughs> and, I believe and, and kind of does a one-handed slam straight off the straight off the rebound and i was like okay you know we lost Nene. So I was like, you know, Nene had been kind of like the Gary Harris of that time, actually been there for a while. So we missed, missed Nene. And, uh, and I was like, okay, we might have something here. We might have something here. I, I, I think maybe my hopes got a little high there. Um, so my hopes for the new JaVale are very managed. 
Um, I was nervous this morning because we had we had this podcast planned, and I was like, if we if our only pickup is Javale, <laughs> might be kind of a dark pod today. Um, trying to you know make uh, shine that turd, um, but. Uh, I, I think you know he'll bring he'll bring good energy. I have a lot of fond feelings of him. I have especially fond feelings of him if he's only playing eight minutes rather than thirty minutes. And um, you know he has three titles, so that's good vibes. You know, um, and uh, and I've, I have a little bit of concerns about the rotation, which we can get into in a bit. But but big picture, um, it's it's nice to have you know the old goofball back. I, I it made my day to get this information this morning because it reminded me that the Nuggets are still the Nuggets. Not based on any sort of the merits of the trade, okay? Which actually I think are good, right? Uh, If he's only playing 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes a night, he's golden, right? And I completely am on board with this. He will help the Denver Nuggets. I just was like laughing. I saw, I saw the trade and I started cackling hysterically because it is such a Nuggets thing. There's no way in my wildest fevered imagination that I ever believed that Javel McKee would be back in a Nuggets uniform. And it just surprised the crap out of me. You know, if any of the Nuggets members of the organization are listening to this, it's not about the merits of the trade. It is just the fact that JaVale effing McGee is now back on the Denver Nuggets, something I never could have fathomed uh, like yesterday. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Tell me now, uh, going back to kind of Nuggets, uh, Nug Life past before we get to all the good news. Did, did they do, so did they not know that he had asthma when they first traded for him um, and that he wouldn't handle the thin air? Was that something that the front office just kind of, just kind of missed last time? Do you, do you remember? Was there, I, I was always curious of the backstory on that. No, it was well known. Um, in fact, uh, uh, every, <laughs> every uh, broadcast of the, when the Nuggets played the Washington Wizards, uh, it was known very much that he had asthma because it's one of the main features. Uh, it, was very, it was a big part coming into to that draft in 2008 uh, was that he had, right. he had that, uh, he had asthma. You know, the interesting thing about it is when I look back on uh, JaVale McGee's first step, that was, that was Masai Ujiri trying to make a statement. And it was the biggest mistake of the Masai Ujiri era. Not necessarily him being traded for Nene, Nene's like era being done after 10 years in Denver. Not, not any of that. But it was bidding against himself to give JaVale a huge at time contract just to lock him up when in reality, no one else was really in the market for Jamal McGee. And he had one, if you remember, Tim, he had one game, game five against the Lakers, where he had that big second half and he completely dominated the Lakers in that game, in the second half of that game. It was his only good game of the series, but that's the one. And boom, suddenly 44 million bucks. Yeah, I've blocked out that good game against the Lakers because I'm just still triggered by uh, the uh, Warriors series. You know, where it was oh, yeah. like him and Costa Kufis getting the circles run around them <laughs> by the 2012-2013 Warriors and just like how there's just nobody you could play. Like we didn't have a playable five uh, in that series. And so I, I guess that did leave a little bad taste in my mouth with JaVale. So I, I have a much more vivid memory of that than his one good Lakers win, if I'm being honest. But 
again, it's not, it's nice to have him back <laughs> yes. in the well, role that he's going to play. Yes, a, a, a good role. And look, I, like I said, it's it's easy for me, and I'm I'm, I'm being a little facetious here, but there, there is there's there's good merits to this trade because first of all, Isaiah Hartenstein was not good. It was a disaster. And yeah, I I think in that capacity and what he was trying to do. It's maybe better to have someone who's super long, super athletic, who can protect the rim, which the brilliant Nuggets haven't had, um, and do that, serve that purpose. And I think in that merits, in that way, in that he's getting 15 minutes a game, I think it's perfect. So. Yeah, I was so before the Gordon trade, um, I was a little nervous that it was going to mess with the you know keeping. MPJ at the three and built Mills up at the four. And all, you know, I was a little bit worried about kind of that crowded rotation uh, situation. Um, but I, I obviously that I think got resolved clearly with Gordon, uh, who will obviously be starting uh, alongside MPJ. And so, uh, you know, given that, uh, it's pretty clear that JaVale's basically brought in for, you know, matchup against the Lakers. I, we don't know what's going to happen in the buyout market um, with some of these, you know, other teams uh, for the playoffs and then to play the Hartenstein role. Uh, it is going to crowd, you know, Millsap and, and Green are really crowded that right now. So I think that'll be a challenge for, for Malone. Um, and, and we can get into the rotation stuff um, uh, later, but that, I think that's kind of the big question. Well, uh, the Nuggets, brought them got themselves to a point where they were made the big swing and 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 people are very oh, how nice is it people are very upset they lost uh, gary okay look gary's been a part of this team since well brian shaw's second year and um i i think gary if he if he didn't have injury issues probably would still be on this team um but you just couldn't i mean this is just me guessing but it was just you couldn't pay out 20 million for someone who's going who's missed I mean, he's only played, Gary only played 19 games this year. And uh, it's just not good enough. Well, I, if, if you'll just kind of allow me uh, yeah. the privilege of tabling the Gary subject, because I'm always the turd in the punch bowl on my political podcast. So I want to take this moment to just be joyful about Aaron Gordon. I mean, I was, I was consumed by, the, by Aaron Gordon or Lonzo coming into the trade deadline. I was very adamant that we needed somebody to fill this hole that they had uh, obviously they'd filled different holes but but Gordon in particular on the wing um, and he seems like the perfect fit the Nuggets never made this trade my my, my younger brother uh, sends this to me sent me a list of the Nuggets trade deadline trades and I want to share some of this with the group okay. um, go right ahead uh, the best one ever was was before you know we're old timers Jeff but but not this old, uh, at least for us. We did trade for Alex English at the trade deadline in 1980, 79-80. Right. George McGinnis to the Pacers for Alex English. So that was a good one, right. 41 years ago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Since then, oh, my, I mean, uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, some of the names of people we've brought in, um, Tariq Abdul-Wahad and oh, Chris God. Gatling, you might remember, for oh, Chauncey. Uh, the first time we got rid of Chauncey, oh, that was a good one. Uh, how about Eduardo Nah? Hurrah coming in in 0405 for Skeetish Vili. Um, you know, we got, um, uh, let's see, uh, Ruben Patterson and Charles Smith 
uh, for Byron Russell, <laughs> Torian Green. So I, I, there was the, the big mellow trade, which ended up turning out pretty well in 2010-11 is the other example. But recently, God love Tim Connolly. You know, he just hasn't pulled the big swing. I mean, here, just the last few years, you get uh, uh, DJ Augustin in 16 and 17. It's Plumley in 18. Uh, it's nothing. Uh, no, Devin Harris, excuse me, for, for, for Moutier. Uh, nothing. You know, we, we have not made the big trade in, in mm-hmm. 40 years. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, if you, if you, count, um, if you count the Mellow trade in 10 years. Uh, and so, and they've need, they needed it. Like right now, this was a team that, in my opinion, Jeff, I don't know if you agree, that had they made no trades, was a fun team, was going to have a nice year. Might have, depending on matchups, might have won one round of the playoffs. Maybe you get lucky and win a second round like last time, but that was wow. that was the ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if they were going to actually, you know, look at this opportunity in the West, and there's, I think, a real opportunity. Lakers are tough, but um, they needed to make a move like this. And now this is a team that could literally win the West. Maybe not saying they will. I'm not saying they're the favorites, but yeah. they can. Like there is real hope here. And they find they finally made the move. And to get and to get Gordon, you know, you mentioned Gary Harris, who I love. And uh, but but you know, Gary has not played all 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 year. And yeah. uh, who knew when he was going to be able to come back? And and I was watching some old highlights of Gary, and he just even when he does play, he doesn't look the same on offense. Particularly the defense has been good, but like. Watching some of these tribute highlight reels of Gary, I forgot I forgot how much bounce he had back yeah. in sixteen and seventeen. You know, and it's mm-hmm. sad almost, frankly. RJ, I liked, but short, can't shoot. You know, yet I mean, big project. He might end up being great, but not in this window that we have. Like he right. wasn't going to be a rotation player this year, next year, right. um, in a window. And then you give up a pick. You give up basically nothing, honestly, to add somebody that fits perfectly. So I'm just, I'm giddy. I'm thrilled. I, uh, it's a little melancholy with, with Gary, but uh, I'm just absolutely thrilled. Just to, be, but just to backtrack a little, you threw me off. I, I, yeah, sure. Was that V. Charles Smith of the three block shots in <laughs> – is it was that was that the Charles Smith? Because I'm about to my head's about to explode. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we got uh, this was the 0506 trade, uh, where we traded Vashon Leonard <laughs> to the Trailblazers. It's a big oh move God. for Ruben Patterson and Charles Smith. Yeah, we also traded Brian uh, Russell and Earl Watson that year uh, I, I, to just get a uh, I don't think that's the I don't think yeah. that's the Charles Smith. So good. All right, my head's not going to explode. Um, but as far as as Gordon goes, I mean, let's talk. Let's let's kind of go into to Gordon here because um, if I'm going to describe a perfect situation for Aaron Gordon, it's Denver um, because yeah. I, I think people have gone too far down the rabbit hole of of say, comparing him to Jeremy Grant. I don't I don't necessarily think it's this analogous. I think. I think he's going to fill a role primarily because of Porter, uh, Mike, Mike Porter Jr. So I think that part maybe plays a part in it. But Jeremy Grant is is was, is a completely different kind of player. That, uh, and Aaron Gordon, defensively speaking, if he's locked in, is is really good and and can at least work within this construct and i think that is where i'm more excited than um offensively i i i think maybe that's short-sighted of me but i think i think defensively speaking and getting that extra stuff like getting like 12 to 
18 points a game right around there. I think that is where he perfectly lands kind of uh, people have made the comparison to Sean Marion. Yeah. With the, uh, the Suns. I think maybe that is where I see him. Uh, what about you? I, I like him on both sides. I, as far as I totally agree with you. I, th- I think he's a perfect fit. He's different than Grant. Um, you know, not, I don't, he's not going to be a lockdown defender like that. His shooting uh, on, on, you know, spot up shots is better than Grant's was um, mm-hmm. though. Uh, I think that's going to create spacing. So on offense, I just think this is buckets, man. I mean, yeah. who, who, you know, like people are cheating off a of Porter uh or, or we're not cheating off porter excuse me and so they've been trying to trying to lock him down so think about all the space you have if you got to help Jokic, you know and you've got murray out there you've got maybe barton maybe monte um you've got mpj and you've got gordon um all of the cutting lane opportunities uh now lob opportunities from Jokic to, to gordon potentially um you know any sort of help is going to leave one of these three guys open for 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 clear clean shots i mean i think that gordon is going to have more wide open shots this year than he has ever had in his life mm-hmm. um i think he's gonna Jokic, you know on cuts is going to hit him for more easy hoops uh by the by the rim than he's ever had in his life so i you know again i, I don't I, I don't see him as this amazing you know, one-on-one player, obviously he's only scoring 14 points a game, whatever it is in Orlando. Uh, but, but working through Jokic when there are also these other weapons, I, I think it's going to create insane space. And then you go onto the defensive side and finally there's a little bit of switchability on yeah. the wings too, when you talk about being in the system, right? So, you know, Porter obviously has his, has his issues on defense, but, but the size is there, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you've got this Porter, Gordon and then let's say PJ or or Barton at the two when they're playing with that lineup you know now you've got some length on the wing now where you know you can switch you can help I mean just in the last few games we've gotten just slaughtered by Brandon Ingram and then and then Pascal Siakam right Right. because we didn't have anybody to guard them well now we have a natural person that can guard both Brandon Ingram and Pascal Siakam and Gordon and with you know, now you've got uh, either Porter or Dozier or or Barton as kind of a switchable person that you could switch onto them uh, right. instead of being the primary person. So I, I just think it works. I think it's a perfect fit on both ends. The other thing I like about him is he's a West guy. I don't, you know, people are, are tr- have PTSD about Jeremy leaving. You know, yeah. Um, but and 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 I guess Gordon said that he wanted in some interview to like be in a big market or something. But he's from San Jose. You know, he went to Arizona, yeah. right? Like he, he apparently, according to Singer, like he said that he liked, you know, the Nuggets offense. Um, you know, when he watched them, he sent an encouraging tweet today. So I, he might like it. Like it might be a fit for him. You know what right. I mean? It's like, it's not a, it's not like somebody who, it's not like Mello, right? right? Somebody who's coming from a big East Coast city that wants to be in a big East Coast city. I don't think it's necessary. It could end up being that. We don't know, but I don't think it's necessarily that. So I, I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm standing over here. I'm over the moon. I think he fits in all, all of the, all categories. I, I my, my biggest thing is, okay, then now maybe we can extrapolate this because all the Nuggets gave up was Gary Harris uh, for this particular trade. Gary Harris, um, then a twenty twenty five protected, semi protected first round pick. Mm-hmm. We, as of this moment, I am not sure what the protections are on it, but this is the NBA because I'm sure there's about like five sub 
factors <laughs> that are that are right there. So I I, I need to look into that later. Um, and and the Nuggets got back Gordon and Gary Clark, which I'm not entirely sure. I think they got Gary Clark to make the salaries match. I think that's what happened on this one. So yeah, I didn't understand that either. So, but you have you have the this situation the way it is. So the Nuggets today they get they get JaVale McGee and Aaron Gordon uh, and Gary Clark for um, two second two protected second round picks, Gary Harris. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein and a RJ Hampton and a uh, protected 2025 first. I think overall, just in the grand scheme of things, it's not bad to give up for uh, getting what you got back, which is a guy who can probably to provide something uh, in a, in a backup role as a center. And then the other side of it is getting a guy who can is perfect for what you do. Um, I, I think that's a, I, I would give that up uh, six ways to Sunday. Uh, yeah, I was listening to the Simmons pod before I came on this to kind of see what national folks thought to see if, you know, out of my nuggets bubble, if I was missing something. And, you know, he, he called it for, that Orlando got 45 cents on the dollar, you know, yeah. and, and, I, and I think that's right. I, you know, RJ is a potential and that's what it is. It's, it's like they got potential. They got this pick, which is going to be a late 20s pick with the Nuggets, depending on protections and all that, but probably a late pick first round. And then RJ, who I liked. I was excited about that trade and that pickup. But he is just all potential. And I, and I, and I think that you got to – look, the Nuggets, we haven't had very many windows. You right. know, we, we, had our, we had our window back with, with Mello and Chauncey. Um, and, and, you know, I, we haven't had very many windows and there's a window right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially with the Lakers injuries and with Jokic playing as an MVP. And so you got to roll with it and you can't, you know, uh, just stick wait around for RJ to maybe reach his potential. It's, it's just, I think Orlando's a much better place for him to be right now where he can get some minutes and, and get better. And so, and Gary, you know, my daughter, uh, Gary was her favorite player. Like oh. I think that her, one of her first words was after, you know, was after Papa was like, it was Gary Harris because I'm watching so many Nuggets games. And I think it's the, the PA announcer, you know, does like Gary Harris. I think it's that uh, why she liked him the most, but so that hurts. And, you know, I, I, I love Gary. He was Mr. Reliable uh, for all, for the dark years. And then into the early Jokic years, you know, Jokic years, every, every game, you know, you're gonna get some out of him. He saved the series against Utah. So that, so emotionally it hurts, but like he was bringing, let's just be honest. He was bringing nothing and he was costing more than Gordon. So just, just looking at this, just as a value level, uh, you know, we're we're gonna pay Gordon. I think four million less next year. I forget yep. if it's for two. Yeah, four million is that right? Four yep. million next less next year than Gary. Who who knows how many games he is, would even be able to play? Right. So uh, yeah, it's just to me a total total swamp of a deal. Um, and and the best deal I, I the, the Nuggets have gotten in my rooting time. I think I don't. I can't think of another. I mean, I can't. I guess maybe bringing Billups back. Are, are you saying it's better than Chris Gatling and Tariq Abdul-Wahad? Or is it, I, do, I, I am saying, I mean, I, you know, Tariq, I did, I did have the Tariq Abdul-Wahad jersey um, in middle school, so that was nice. Uh, but uh, I, I think, so, I think so. I think it's the best acquisition, right? I, I don't, I mean, yeah. I don't even know what would be. Well, besides bringing Bulbs back, what would other, be other than English? Um, yeah. which is probably the, the best one's probably English for uh, basically the corpse of George McGinnis. 
and I think that's probably probably peak um, because the Nuggets the Nuggets were always sellers in the '90s. So I, I you know, it, it re- really I mean uh, it's it's got to be better than sending Mark Jackson back to Indiana <laughs> after he had been with your team for half a year. Uh, but you know, there, there's 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 not a, as you pointed out, there's not a great history of it. Um, so yeah, I mean Iverson, you know. So there's the Iverson trade, which uh, which was now. You do know, you that count was not that? at the deadline, I guess. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say, do you count that because that was like I think three games into the season. Do you count that as a? Uh, yeah, that didn't. That wasn't on the list. I I put I had because yeah. it wasn't a deadline thing. So I just. I bet I mean even putting aside the deadline, mm-hmm. uh, other kind of acquisitions that the Nuggets have had where they ended up on the better uh, the, on the better end of the deal. Um, uh, there just aren't that many. No, no, and, and and a lot of free agent signings, obviously. Uh, so this is, you really got to go back with the trade. But uh, honestly, I'm ch- I, as the British would say, I'm chuffed. I, I think this is I'm a, chuffed too. This is this is a very, it has got me thinking about possibilities because I think this year, I mean, you saw the last game they got annihilated by the imploding and we <laughs> as we found out today, Toronto Raptors that just was <laughs> like yeah. Let's, Let's get rid of all these guys, uh, but or Tampa Bay Raptors, I should say. Um, so Tampa Raptors. Um, so it's got me thinking about possibilities. Now, you and I, and people don't know this, uh, 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 Tim and I speak nearly daily talking about these Denver Nuggets. Um, and we have thoughts on various things that we talk about here, particularly. We both are emotional roller coasters. We, yeah, so. we are. After we are. A, after a good game, we're going to win the title. <laughs> after a bad game, it's trade everyone. Right. So we are, we, are, we are attached to this team like no other. So let me throw this at you. If you are looking at just what, the, what is, remains of this Denver Nuggets team, where you are, where they're going forward through the rest of this year, how, what would you do for a starting lineup? And let me, before you answer, let me put, say this, when, when Michael Malone, a couple, what was it last week or maybe the week before said, when Monte Morris comes back, he's going to be the starting point guard. So with that in mind, do you think with these trades, it's changed? I mean, if you were, if you were coach Miller, what would you do with the starting lineup? DC has made life hard for Malone a lot over the last few years, just as far as giving him too many assets to work with. And that's still, that's still true. Um, Malone's going to have a tough job over the next few weeks, getting this figured out. Uh, my, my gut says Morris, Murray, Gordon, Porter, um, and uh, Jokic obviously is is the starting five um, because then I think that gives you a second unit of of Faku and PJ and Barton and Green and then whatever maybe Millsap or Javale that that is a little more cohesive. Uh, I I hate the mini the mini lineup with 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 Faku and Morris yeah. and so yeah. you know that's part of it's actually part of about the second unit why I like having Morris in the first and then that was Jamal off ball. Um, that said, I, I don't hate Jamal, Barton, Gordon, Porter, Jokic either. I, I, like I said earlier, I like the switchability on the wing. I think moving Barton to a two makes a lot of sense. I think it depends on the matchup. You know, against right. Portland, that matchup probably doesn't make sense. I think Barton's going to get, you know, leave it, get his jock left on the ground against, you know, Dame and CJ a few times. So that's probably not a good matchup if you're, if you, you know, we draw Portland. But, um, 
uh, the, the, one of those two uh, is it. But then I think the problem is, you know, Faku kind of gets squeezed out yeah. uh, a little bit in that second rotation. And, and I think either way you look at it, Millsap is getting squeezed. I, I don't know how you find any mil- minutes for Millsap, honestly, um, which is going to be really tough to do. Um, so, so I, so the, I, I think that the the second unit is more of a challenge than the first. I, I think that, e, that luckily we're now in a position where either logical starting lineup with either Monte or Barton uh, with the core four uh, is a good starting lineup. And so, unless Mullen does something really stupid, uh, I, I think that the starting unit's going to be good. It's a question of what to do with the with the bench. Well, I want to turn the core four into the Thrive Five. Okay, I want to, okay. I, I want, I want there to be a consistent starting lineup. And I okay, think, so who's that? I think the only way you can do this is if you have Morris coming off the bench. I know, I know that it's going that would com- really completely squeeze Faku out, but I think their best unit features if they're going to have will barton remain he has to be in the in the starting lineup and in fact he's at play would be playing his natural position which is a two right um now and just and and primarily because of this too i think i think defensively speaking it gives you a better chance because jamal's had a good year defensively this year um he's really made such strides on that end and i think barton actually gives you more length Rather than having, yep. uh, rather than having Morris, who's who's really small, um, and then you can run a second unit of Monte, maybe throw in Dozier, um, yep. get uh, you know who under the green, green, um, get um, Javale and Millsap, and that's not a lot of scoring in that lineup though. That's, yeah, that's. That is like that is like I don't know how what you would do with that lineup. That well, you 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 go with the Jeff Morton strategy of you you know uh, uh, basically float the starters right yeah. and keep keep Jamal yeah you stagger thank you that's what I was looking for you stagger and keep so then again that's where you're squeezing Faku you got you got I guess Monte Jamal PJ Green and Millsap or Green and uh, and Javale as your as your essentially your bench unit um and i I think that could uh, that can work um as a bench unit uh so it's why i kind of like barton on the bench i mean somebody you know it'd be crazy to like throw pj into the starting lineup right but that would really work honestly where you'd have barton on the bench with with monte and you'd have pj jamal gordon uh porter and Jokic. I, i doubt that he i doubt that he does that um but i think that would really you know, solve your second unit problem a little bit more um, with the stagger and Monte and Barton. Uh, but look, I, the good news is I and look at just the, these are all good problems compared yeah. to the issue they had before where we had no small forwards, right? right. <laughs> like not having a single wing on the roster was not right. great to having a, you know, not all-star, but one level down from all-star wing. Uh, and so now you have a situation where you play against the Clippers, for example, and this is what was, you know, giving me nightmares. It's like, how could you even get hope for the old Nuggets roster when you could go up against the Clippers? You have nobody that can guard PG or Kawhi, right? And so now you can put in a lineup with with Gordon Porter and then having either PJ or Barton at the two mm-hmm. and have a lot of length to guard those guys, um, you know, in a way that that is a real, you know, I think, a winnable matchup, um, you know, depending on, as you know, presuming that Yoke continues at an MVP level. Well, and throw in JaVale, 
and having a rim, rim protector for, for the first right. time in ages. Uh, well, if you count Plumley, but I mean, he had, al- he had alligator arms, but there, there is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, I do not care. Marcus um, Camby was maybe the last real rim protector. <laughs> Yeah. Well, other than Javale, his uh, his first stint. I mean, that's that's probably yeah, the last, last time. Stint, yeah. Um, I think, I think when you throw Javale in there, then you start looking about how you can maximize a rim protector, and I think that is a complete change in philosophy. How do you uh, account, or like just for the Nuggets? How do you account for the fact that you have a center? Now, forget Hartenstein, who was a disaster when he was here. But you have a, a center who is just going to roll, right? He's All he's going to do is roll to the rim on offense. And uh, on defense, you just have to funnel every – Do the remember what the Nuggets used to do with Matumbo. It's like everything has to go to Matumbo. So you just funnel everything to him and, and, th- and count on him intimidating. That's going to be an adjustment, uh, but I think it's a good adjustment. I, you know, I, I think that the process of this adjustment is going to be interesting because I think I, I expect for the first time, couple times we actually have people in the lineup, it's going to look a little jumbled until they get this shit figured out, but it, they, I think they will. Yeah, it's going to be jumbled. What's your take on the on how, you know, the Porter and Gordon 3-4 situation is? I mean, it, like, I, I presume Porter is basically – functionally the four um and and gordon is the three but maybe interchangeable sometimes gordon's in the dunker spot i mean i think that's going to take some time to work out i think it will because gordon likes to float on the perimeter and then drive and create by himself and i think it's going to take a while to get him to the cutting part of this uh, the Nuggets run uh, an interesting offense where it's just obviously Jokic is the the, ful- the fulcrum, as they say, of the of the offense. Mm. But oh, they do run what is an equivalent, not the same, but it's an equivalent of the triangle. It's just done in a spread out fashion. So there's a ton of cutting, just a ton of cutting, and it is hard to train your brain, specifically if you're a guy like Aaron Gordon, to cut without the ball and uh it's all been hard for michael porter jr to learn uh just in the process of this happening is that it's been hard but the interesting thing about this is with with gordon out there you have so much spacing that i don't think the regular rules will be able to apply to this thing it's it's i don't think it's going you're not going to have gordon constantly cutting to the hoop i think you're going to have him as you said in the dunker role um and have uh Porter out to the corner because Gordon's a good passer. Get him out, get, you know, get to the dunker spot. People collapse on Gordon, throw it out to Porter in the corner. You're going to have instant offense right now. And he's, he's pretty much money from, from the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just salving, just thinking about those little dip passes that Jokic does where he fakes it to the outside and then dunks it to the guy and then dips it to the guy in the dunker spot. I mean, Gordon's just going to have so many layups and dunks like that. Uh, I do think that him and Porter uh, will probably run into each other a few times uh, over the next few weeks on offense and defense, (laughs) Uh, not knowing who's supposed to be where, uh, but not exactly. Porter's not exactly the highest uh you know offense defense iq man out there uh, mm. as far as reading the floor is concerned so far mm. to, um so i think that there'll be a little bit of a learning curve but i just i uh, 
I think that he is just such a good counterfeit to Porter. Like they're mentioning Barnes. Barnes's name was out there. Right. I didn't really understand Barnes as much as a fit because I see him as kind of just like Porter yeah. again, right? Yes. I mean, they are very, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's very much, you know, a lot of the shoot, you know, you're going to be shooting, you know, the pick and pop. Um, Gordon is so much more athletic and he's he immediately becomes the best athlete on the team, right? Am I, am I, well, am yeah. I forget anybody? I don't think so. I think he <laughs> immediately becomes the best athlete on the team, and so he's so. just such a you know, they, him and Porter, despite being kind of the same build and the same position, have very different styles. And, and so I think that once, you know, they've, you know, Jokic, you know, points somewhere to go for a few weeks. Well, um, yeah. I think that, I think that it's going to be a really nice fit. Well, it's going to be a process. And I, I, and and I look- think that better than Grant for me, yeah. I don't know about you, but yeah. I, I think it ended up kind of falling in our hands, right? I mean, trading out the minutes of Grant and TC, and Plumley basically from last year to this right. year's rotation will be Green and Dozier and Gordon and maybe some JaVale. I mean, that's an up, upgrade for me. I, th- I, I think so too. Um, um, we're simpatico with that because I think that – I think the more that you think about this, um, where Grant was mentally and what he wanted um, wasn't going to work. Um mm-hmm. Clearly, he wanted a, a bigger role. Obviously, there's probably thousands of other factors that caused him to leave. But he wanted primarily a, a bigger role. I think Gordon seemed to be at least heading into this, this, you know, he's tweeting out the right things. At least seemed to be open to the fact that he's not going to have the ball in his hands all the time. And I think that part is uh, essential. And I think it'll be okay. Um, I, th- I think it will. Now, my question, and, and I don't know if you've put any thoughts on this, but my question right now is, uh, how are they going to be able to afford all these guys? Yeah, I, well, my question back to you after I answer that is what you think the Barton situation was, because there was a lot of scuttlebutt today about Barton maybe being out the door too, which might have partly solved this. And, you know, now he'll have his own um, – he's a player option player right option and so year. i obviously yeah. can't, if he picks up the player option but but luckily next year next year porter and gordon are pretty affordable right i mean gordon porter's still on his rookie deal and gordon again is making four million less than gary was going to make so it's not so this is a two years from now problem um not a next year problem um and and frankly with Millsap being on a one year and barton player i forget what green is um if he's player or, or team option uh for next year player. Um, player so depending on how much of that opens up they might be able to add somebody like they like next year they'll have room to add somebody if they want to I, I you know depending on what barton does um the how you afford them in two years from now well uh stan's gonna have to either go into the tax uh or you know you're gonna have a pretty young team or uh, monte can stay he's on a cheap deal and then the the bench is gonna be you know a lot of people young people and people on cheap deals and so your ability to do that depends on how good they are, right? Honestly, like, you know, and I think that if they, if they go far in the next two years in the playoffs, then maybe that makes Kroenke more willing to go into the tax. Maybe that makes players more willing to come here on the cheap deals and we can get the stupid benefits that the Nets and the Lakers and the Heat always get with these right. damn buyout deals and stuff players we never get, right? right. Um, if it doesn't work, 
this year in the playoffs and next year into the trade deadline, I think you end up flipping Gordon again. Um, or, you know, probably, uh, you know, it'd probably be Gordon, but maybe MPJ, I guess, um, would get reflipped next year um, in order to make it worth work. I, I think those are kind of the two basically paths forward. From what I understand, um, Porter was not part of any sort of equation. Barton, you mean? Uh, by, no, Porter. Uh, Barton uh, or Porter? Porter, Porter, because Porter, Porter wasn't part of any deal uh, out there because I think he was gravitating towards the untouchable category right. with his play since thing they got shit figured out. As far as Barton goes, uh, I was hearing conflicting information, and I'll be honest with you, I was thrown off by some tweets that were out today. Um, so... I couldn't give you a great idea of it, but I think I I think at this point, and and maybe you it, this gets into reading uh, Will Barton's mind, but would he decline his player option to enter into free agency in a post-pandemic world where the cap's probably going to be lower, um, and not a ton of teams are going to have a ton of cap space? Is he going to do that, or is he going to get the player option for I think it's fourteen million uh, next year? Get that fourteen million, get it secure, and then worry about it the year after. And I think I think uh, if I'm uh, if if I'm the Nuggets, this probably plays a factor if uh, I am trying attempting to deal someone, whether they are going to opt into their their last year of their deal particularly if they go to a place maybe they, they don't like. There's a lot of different factors there, and I, I just don't know. Because, like, there was a whole bunch of conflicting information, and I, and I just, with my, just the way I operate um, on doing things like Twitter, those, that shit comes back to haunt you later <laughs> if you're wrong. So I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to say anything. So I, I have no idea. I, don't, I mean, well, so I have two thoughts about Barton. One is a thought and then a question for you. But I, I, I don't – Thank you. So I, again, the math is a problem on the salary, not next year, but the following. Mm -hmm. So if Barton picks up his player option, that's fine. It gives him less flexibility to bring in another piece. Right. Right. Uh, But maybe not. Right. Because he's on an expiring then. And unless he gets hurt again, you know, that'd be pretty movable. Right. And expiring Barton, you know, could be a piece that, that another contender wants. He might fall whole. It could be a piece that a team that's trying to clear salary wants. And so he'll be off the books at the end of the year. So he would be movable next year. Um, Is he going to want to do that and, and, you know, be a lame duck starter on the, on the nuggets. I don't, you know, Barton is a pretty prideful guy. Again, that gets into kind of reading Will's head. So I, I don't know. I don't think it really matters. I don't think it's a problem for the Nuggets. So I think that they're in a decent spot salary wise, the way this all goes. I am, it is curious to me why the Magic didn't want Barton instead of Gary. I'm, and as I, I, you know, retroactively prefer, like, loved Gary. I've always loved Gary and prefer him. But, but with this team, I'm kind of happy we still have Barton because of that, what I was talking about earlier about the length. So I'm kind of happy with that. It worked out like this. Mm. Um, and I think he makes sense of the two with this lineup, but I, well, I don't know what do you th- that was curious to me why the magic wouldn't have wanted. I think probably, and then I'm just going out on a limb here. Um, but I would say that it's more to do with salary because Gary was making 18 and uh, this year, I think. 
it matched uh, Gore, no, Gore's uh, salary better. It was he's making more than Barton. No, 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 no. He I think he's making twenty this year or something like that. It, it, but the salaries were closer. Uh, Barton is was making yeah. I think four million less. So, so I think, had to add another piece or something. I think that was probably a factor there because you can just this with the NBA is you have to make these salaries match. So, right. I uh, if you're within some level of the cap, so I couldn't tell you. Um, but there is, I think that probably played a factor. But plus, you know, Gary next after next year is definitely an expiring and it's 22 something million of I think it's 22 million he's going to be making next year. Um, mm-hmm. that's definitely going to be a expiring deal for them unless Gary suddenly plays and never gets injured again, in which case, you know, you never <laughs> right. know. But that's probably part of the equation there. I think the, I, I think if the, it, from what I heard, the Nuggets really were not wanting to give up RJ Hampton. Uh, that was not part of their thinking. And I think, I think, they didn't like giving up RJ. I think they probably in their mind's eye would have rather given up Bull Bull, say for instance, than, than RJ. But uh, giving up RJ, I think was probably on the, the, their, the Magic's list. Barton, I don't necessarily know if he would fit that need um, of what they got. I think they got Terrence Ross there uh, still. And I don't know if necessarily right. that would fill that point. Plus they gave up Evan Fournier too. So they were right. really in, let's get everyone out. Like Vucevic is gone. Fournier is gone. Gordon is gone. And it looks to me like this is a, this is the magic. We're like, we're just, you know, they said, pardon my French, but they fuck it. We're just done. We're just getting rid of everything. So. Well, I, I, my thoughts on that are twofold. One is I just, if Tim Connolly, if you're listening to this podcast, I just want to give you a big kiss after the, <laughs> after the COVID is over, because uh, I know you didn't want to give up RJ, but thank God you did and pulled the trigger on it because, uh, you know, I, again, even if RJ turns out into maximizing a hundred percent of his potential, it's, it's going to be at the end of this kind of current window right Right. like maybe it would have helped us create a second window but like let's deal with the window that we're in right Right. and so uh i'm I'm happy that he put zeke would have been i think a little tougher because i I think he's closer to being a piece that could contribute maybe next year um than rj was uh uh, who the hell knows what to do with bowl um and uh yeah as far as the magic is dump again tc like Looks great. Uh, Arturis, I think, bold move to get Vucevic, but mm-hmm. gave up a lot more. Oh, yeah. A lot more. I mean, Wendell Clark and two firsts and Otto. I mean, uh, like, he gave up real value for Vucevic, who's obviously better than Gordon, but that I, you know, I, he gave up, you know, a significant pieces, much, much, much bigger value and, than, than and Jabari Parker. And Jabari Parker, who was bought out. So, He's on the waiver market and people, and, and also people are kind of pining for Otto Porter Jr. And I said, you can't have two Porter Juniors on the same roster. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind it Otto, uh, but I think we're pretty crowded. Uh, we certainly don't need a, we certainly don't need Jabari. We don't need like a seventh uh, power forward on the team. I think we're pretty, pretty set at the four. Do you remember that draft, by the way, the, the uh, Andrew Wiggins, Jabari Parker draft, from 2014 and then right after that it was Joel Embiid and the whole big debate was who was it going to be 
Andrew Wiggins or Jabari Parker, and yeah. neither of <laughs> of those guys were like what you would think. Right? And then it wasn't isn't I, I'm going from memory here, so this could be wrong, but isn't wasn't Gordon fourth? Gordon was fourth. Gordon was fourth. Yeah. Yep. No, and no, no. that was that was a good. I, 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 I could probably say this now. Um, the Nuggets were uh, big fans of Aaron Gordon in that time. And the Nuggets ended up, uh, it's 2014. So they, they, it was 12. And that's, the, uh, that's when they flipped the picks to get uh, Gary and uh, um, right. uh, Nurkic. So that ended up kind of benefiting them, I guess. But um, yeah, so that was an interesting draft. But I, I uh, Gordon was four, and this is his seventh year. And yeah, I think he's only it's... twenty-five because he was a freshman at Arizona. He's only twenty-five or twenty-six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the, I, I didn't know that they were looking at him back then. That's not surprising that they would have liked him. I, I'm encouraged by this whole though. It's all smoke, and I'm reading through Twitter and all this. So you know, you might know better. You would know better than me. I don't know anything, but um, but but based on the tea leaves, it, it does seem like they were doing a lot of vetting to make sure that Gordon wanted to be here at least, kind of, you know, and at least wanted to be in this role. And and like that, both of they were doing vetting on that he his play was a fit, and and you know, kind of asking around uh, to agents and stuff. So I. I, I, I'm I'm very hopeful that we're like we're not getting another grant situation at well, all based on that. Let me let me throw throw some stuff out there that I've noticed prior to uh, this. Nuggets played Orlando. What was it? Two days ago, and um, immediately after the game, Porter, Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon talk for like five minutes, and it's the first mm-hmm. thing I noticed was like. They're awful for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the and the conspir- conspiracy theorist in my head's like <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing going on here. Interesting. And then the next day, uh, I, I don't know what to, how to explain the the Nuggets travesty versus the <laughs> versus the Raptors the next day, other than to think that maybe there were some you know people were thinking about some stuff. And, and Nikola Jokic said it's very unprofessional. Yeah. To let that to let that affect you says the person who is in no danger of getting traded. By the way, um, <laughs> but uh, but also says the person at, you know who like you know it looks like half the time he's like thinking about what kind of pizza he's gonna have after the game. You know, I mean, he's just like he's just super zen, right? So right. It would would never affect him. I don't think even if he was on the trade market, but right. Yeah, it was. Fun. I also it was wasn't funny. sure about that comment. I feel like there might have been a a translation. Issue. I, I I don't know if he if Jokic appreciated the connota- the un the connotation of like the word unprofessional right. in English. Like I think he be. might have been saying it in a very just sort of like matter of fact way. Like we are we are professionals. Like you do, you do your job. I don't know. Anyway. No, it could be. No, I, that very well could be. And I, I I think I don't think he meant any malice from it. I think it was just an interesting comment. Yeah. Um and. It, it, it was it, leading up to it. I, I just was like, oh man, I just, the vibes were very pro Gordon. And I don't know necessarily if the Nuggets would like, as you were pointing out, did scouting or anything like that, but all these teams kind of make sure like, you're, you're going to be okay if you go to Denver. Right. And I think teams like Denver have to do that sort of thing. Right. If you're, if you're in LA, fuck, they don't care. That is like, oh, I'm going to be in LA. Great weather all year. Great. You know, uh, you're going to love it. 
But if you're going to going to Denver, sorry, Nuggets fans, this is just reality. Uh, we we had we had a we had a blizzard where it snowed three feet last week. This is the this is the <laughs> conversations that you have to have, and obviously, I'm sure that there's probably hints that are dropped that they're going to be okay. That's, at least that's that's the, my interpretation of what would happen. Well, man, I'm just giddy. I'm chuffed, and I just I'm all the whatever superlative you could think of. And I, you know, we haven't we initially when we were talking about doing this, we're talking about kind of doing a half year in review and and or doing trade deadline instead. And so I do I do just want to say like, in addition to the, to part of the reason why I feel like it was such a big deal to make this move is that Jokic has just been so perfect this year i mean it has just been you know art in motion watching him and it's been such a joy during this kind of pandemic year we're stuck at home to have my league pass and be able to watch Jokic every two nights it's just been an absolutely unbelievable consistency performance obviously you know right he's the mvp right now and uh, and it just comes so easy, you know, like right. you want, you want, I've been, I've been back, I've been, I haven't watching much college this year. I went back, obviously to watch March Madness mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, whew, we, we're spoiled with Jokic. <laughs> he just makes everything look so easy and right. beautiful. And, and so to, it felt like it would be wasting that year because hopefully he'll be beautiful and perfect for us for another decade. Right. I, but who knows? Right. And so it felt like it would have been wasting that year to have him have, you know, Paul Millsap and, and, and Will Barton on the wing uh, and not really be able to match up with the best teams in the Western Conference, um, given how great he's been. Well, my worry was the Lakers coming into this, and now yeah. who knows with the Lakers. Uh, but <laughs> they're missing both Davis and LeBron. Uh, yes, um, but you're, you're in the Bay Area, so um, I, I, are, are the – the Warriors going to be a factor later are the, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen now because the Lakers injuries are just going to has thrown everything into chaos. And I think that probably if just, if I'm, if I'm guessing, I think that probably played into the Nuggets thinking going into this is like Lakers falling down like this uh, with these injuries, maybe it has opened up a window we didn't think was there before. Right. So yeah, for good reason. That's because they beat our ass last year. So um, yeah, I don't, I, I think that it's, um, it's super, uh, you know, I, I, but I think it helps match up with all those teams I and mean, particularly the LA teams, particularly the LA teams, but, um, uh, you know, do, who knows who you end up with in the first round we've seen, you know, obviously we had the Rodney Hood experience, we mentioned, yes. <laughs> um, Brandon Ingram, <laughs> you know, you don't know how the 10, seven, all that stuff's going to free, you know, there's so who, who the hell knows who you could play. Um, and so I, I think that there, with a lot of the, uh, potential opponents, um, it makes a big difference with the matchups. So the, the LA, obviously, you know, being LeBron, having somebody who could plausibly guard LeBron, George, and Kawhi to the extent that anyone can guard them um, is is better than not having anyone that can plausibly guard the three best players in the conference right. um, going into the playoffs. Right. I t- I t- I, like you brought up Rodney Hood. He was traded to the 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 uh, Sixers. And I know. Is TC I, behind that too? Did I, he make that happen behind the scenes? I was thinking about this and I'm like, the only reason Portland won that series in 19 is because he was tall. He was six foot eight. That is the yeah. only reason. It had nothing Seriously. to do with his talent. It has everything to do with he was six foot eight. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe things are breaking the right way now. <laughs> maybe maybe, you know, maybe and things are coming up nuggets. 
and so we've got it's sad because we do have the pelicans which is this big test right but i don't i don't know if they'll turn the the deal around for gordon to play on tomorrow night uh, or is it whenever there's whenever the pelicans game is they will not be available tomorrow night so it's it's going to be a a skeleton crew tomorrow night basically no not Uh, really all they're missing is hartenstein and and rj hampton so yeah. yeah, but we still won't have anybody who can guard Zion or uh, Brandon Engro, which is kind of a you know a hole. It's, it's I, I, I hope it doesn't turn into another one of those uh, like the last game, which was well, though that was a thirty free throw to ten free throw game. So let's hope that it's not like that again. That's all it was saying. deserved, uh, by the way. I, I understand those complaints. There's plenty of Jokic. Jokic should get who should get whistled like Embiid and like the other stars. I get that. Uh, but in that game, the reason why there was a 20 free throw disparity is because Zion was running downhill to the rim and Brandon Ingram was running downhill to the rim. And we didn't have anybody to guard either of them. So they kept getting fouled at the rim. And while, and we were heaving up jump shots. So uh, I was, ha- I'm always happy work the refs all you want, but that the, the, the disparity in that game was because we, we didn't have anybody that could guard the wings. This is very so true. Come save us, Aaron Gordon. Come make it all pretty and wonderful. <laughs> exactly. Pretty and wonderful, like the two of us. Okay. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, thank you for joining me, Tim. Uh, I tried, I kept it to an hour. So everyone who was complaining from the Bulwark staff, this is, this is. A- I know this is from my nuggets. Uh, my nuggets. I have a little nuggets WhatsApp with uh, uh, my brother's high school friends and some other uh, Denver, various Denver people. And so okay. I was excited for them. I was like, I'm on with the King of Thornton. You got to <laughs> listen to this. And like the feedback was basically, well, the first 45 minutes was okay, but I don't know that I've got time for the next hour 45. So if the listeners made it to the end of this and want to hear you know, reflections, ruminations on the 90s and what it's like to be a gay basketball fan. You can right. go find that one in the archives. <laughs> yes, you can. Uh, and tell Charlie Sykes, by the way, that if I want to eat, like my philosophy on dogs is this. Okay. Um, if I wanted to be in a codependent relationship, I wouldn't have broken up with my last boyfriend. So. <laughs> I will. Uh, I, I'm on with Charlie in the morning. So okay. if you want to hear my politics takes, check that out, and I yes. will share that wisdom with him. Yes, yes. Well, be sure and follow uh, Tim. Uh, give out your, uh, your your Twitter. Uh, Tim ODC. Even though I don't live in DC anymore, it's you know the brand now. So check it out. Uh, politics and nuggets only. Yes, exactly. And occasionally so, some gay stuff. Yes, politics and, and nuggets and gay stuff. And, uh, and LSU during football season. So it's, there it's, you go. It's all. It's, it's all good. It's the greatest Twitter account next to Steve Gorman. So anyway, thank you all for joining us on the latest Mortcast, and I'll be back soon. Goodbye.